really need to tell better stories instead of complaining about it, right? What if we right. just start telling the stories and really flood the airwaves with something different? All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to the podcast, episode 50-something. And today I want to talk about quick start sermon prep. Uh, you know how like when you you, know, you get like a, I don't know, a new appliance, like a small appliance, a blender or something like that. And then you look in the directions and it says quick start guide. Like, like here's the long version of how to do it. Here's the quick version of how to do it. And so... I want to talk about quick start sermon prep, but first, a couple things. I recently did a preaching lab because we're focusing on preaching for this month, um, and I'll be doing this again probably in the future. So if you're interested, jump on, go over to my website. I'll put that in the show notes and subscribe to the website, and then you'll get information when new things like that come up. Um, and then we're focusing on preaching this month. And then next month, I want to focus on self-care for the pastor. And then I'm thinking in January that I'm going to do uh, some stuff focused on leadership. So a couple of book recommendations, and I'm also going to put these in the show notes as well. Here's a preaching resource for you. Uh Communicating for a Change, which is by Andy Stanley. And I think this is a great book, especially if you're new to preaching or if you don't preach often, like maybe you only preach a handful of times a year. Andy Stanley is really, he's the master of the one point sermon, which really all of your sermons should be one point, like one topic. Sometimes we do three point sermons that are really three sermons in one. Uh, And so we really should be doing all be doing one point sermons, but uh, he gives you he gives a lot of good uh, basic information, easy to implement. He does a good job uh, really articulating what that looks like. So it's a good resource for you. And even if you've been preaching for a while, um, I've been preaching, I don't know, maybe six, uh, eight years or so, because but two years where I was preaching every single week. Uh, in my in my current assignment, and I found it helpful. It really um, sped up some of the it sped up some of my sermon prep. And then there's two other books um, I want to mention. So one is Ten Percent Happier by Dan Harris, and I'm reading that right now. And it's a great introduction if you've been interested in the idea of meditation or mindfulness. But maybe you've been, you're a little sketched out by the woo-woo-ness of it all. And, you know, people have told you, oh, that's other religions and all that other kind of stuff. Man, there is just so much scientific evidence showing the benefit that it has, especially uh, in a day and time where everyone is stretched to their max mentally, emotionally, physically, AKA 2020, right? So I would highly recommend it. He does a great job of take it's it's written memoir style, so he's taking you on his own journey. So if you don't know the story about Dan Harris, he's ABC correspondent and he served he he served in Iraq and Af- 
Afghanistan. He did correspondence from Af Iraq, Afghanistan uh, during the war, I think for about two, two, three years, and came back and didn't realize that he had PTSD and then had a meltdown on the air in front of millions of people, which kind of started this whole journey, um, getting a counselor, all of these other things. And then through a strange series of events, ended, ended up being introduced to mindfulness. And so it's kind of about his journey and he is hilarious. So if you're an audiobook person, highly, highly recommend you get the audiobook because he reads it. Um, and that, anyway, I just laugh out loud. I just, I just found it really fascinating. I've been meditating for a couple of years and really helpful uh, in 20, especially in 2020, even though there's, there's a couple of months where I really kind of stopped doing it for a while and real, and then I started back on it again and realized, oh, this is, um, this was a lot more helpful than I realized it was. So uh, I want to recommend that because in December, we're going to talk about self-care of the pastor. And I think that this is one thing that you could implement that would be a total game changer for you. So just keep that in mind. And then I'm reading another book called Failure of Nerve. And I think the author's last name is Friedman. And he's a rabbi who's also a psychologist. And he's talking, talking about this idea of our culture. The overall tone of our culture is that of chronic anxiety. And that because of it, we have as leaders, we have spent a lot of our energy managing crises. And a lot of times our management comes in the form of just giving in to the person who yells the loudest rather than really doing the difficult thing of leading well and doing what's best um, for the overall situation. Self-actualization is not the word that I want. Self-differentiation is the word that he uses. Um, so highly check that. I, I, I highly recommend that book. Check it out. If nothing else, put it on your 2021 to-read list because uh, we're going to talk about leadership in January. I'm going to redo a couple episodes. I'm, uh, I'm going to do meeting with your board of ministry again uh, at the beginning of January because I feel like pretty much anything I said before COVID, unless it was about Jesus, you should just forget it. Like things have changed so much. And even preaching, um, you know, as I'm doing this series on preaching, we're watching how we, the way that we preach, how we preach. Um, I don't know about you, but for me, it has definitely shifted. Uh, some of you are still preaching completely online. You haven't even gone back to in-person worship. I think that's completely, I think that's a, just different. I think preaching online and not having anybody to look in the eye uh, is very different than preaching in front of a group of people or congregation. So even this, I'm finding uh, some things have shifted in the way that I am preaching and probably will continue over the next year or so as I kind of try to find my new normal in preaching. What does that look like? Oh man, I feel like I'm out of breath today. I have so much that I want to share with you about this. And man, uh, I've just had so many Zoom meetings this week, so I'm kind of exhausted. Oh, that reminds me. I, maybe I should put on those blue. 
I got those blue filter glasses. I'm not sure if they're really helping or not, but maybe if I put those on today, that might help. First sermon, my first sermon I ever gave uh, in my previous assignment, I didn't, I didn't get to preach very often. Uh, I was staff and like I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't fit that typical category, right? So I wasn't the executive or the assistant pastor. I wasn't the youth pastor or the children's pastor. Like I was pastor of outreach and evangelism. So it was kind of weird. So I didn't get to preach that often. I appreciated it when I did. But my first uh, sermon was scheduled for Super Bowl Sunday in the evening, uh, which would have been in February. And we got snowed out. Not kidding. Like 10, it was 8 to 10 inches of snow, something like that. And so they canceled church. And my husband and I were part of this adult Sunday school class at the time. And they had planned this big party for us. And like, well, I didn't know they had planned this party for us. I thought we were just going to do after church, we were just going to do something as a Sunday school class. So I wasn't going to go. I figured they were going to cancel since church was canceled. And you know, I was kind of bummed anyway that I didn't get to preach. So, but my husband's like, no, they're doing this just because of you. Like they had a cake and the whole thing. So then I was, so we went anyway. Fortunately, they lived pretty close to us. So we didn't have to drive too far in the snow. But uh, and I, I just remember feeling like humiliated because like they made this big deal and there was a cake and everything. And I didn't even preach. Like, I mean, can't, I can't call it a failed sermon because I didn't even deliver it. But Anyway, my my lead my senior pastor rescheduled it and I was rescheduled for April 24th and the reason I can never forget I will, I will remember that date forever because no joke we got like 4 inches of snow. So like like the first 3 4 times I preached every single time it snowed and that just kind of became the running joke that well, you know, Joanne preaches it's definitely going to be snowing. So far, it has not uh, snowed in June uh, on any time I've preached, but, uh, and I'm sure that it was terrible, like most people's first sermons, uh, crazy nervous, but my senior pastor was very gracious and said nice things about it anyway. So over the course of like the next four years, I got to preach periodically, eh, maybe two, three times a year, so very sporadically, but I did teach Sunday school classes. I had some other opportunities to preach outside of my local congregation, which is one of the reasons why I try to really give people an opportunity, uh, open my pulpit to other pastors, especially those who are new in ministry, who are on multi, who are on staff at a church that has lots of pastors, because I know that their opportunities to preach are very slim. Although now I have four staff people, so uh, I've had a lot fewer and a lot less pastors from outside of my congregation preach in my pulpit uh, and it's not because uh, of anything that anybody did except that now I have four people that I want to give opportunities uh, and experience to preach and, uh, and so we, we have a rotating preaching calendar here I create the sermon series the title and passage of scripture that's going to be used and then they're assigned so they know ahead of time what is the overall topic of the series they have a title they have a passage of scripture to start working on immediately 
recently the last this last sermon series we started with uh sitting sitting down with with my staff ahead of time and kind of laying out here's here's where i'm going with this uh, here's what i'm seeing unfolding in each uh, sermon in the week before so i don't want to i don't want to give them the outline and i don't want to squelch what the spirit is doing but they're saying that it is helpful because they have an idea uh so we'll find out at the end of this sermon series we'll find out if it feels more unified or disjoint or if it feels disjointed um anyway we're still doing some we're still analyzing uh, how, what that looks like but uh, I know that the, that my staff has said one of the things they appreciate is that they don't have to try to figure out what scripture they're going to preach because uh, they think that that's like the hardest part. Now, when I was first starting, yeah, choosing your passage of scripture was challenging. And I think, you know, we have such a uh, a hang up with, you know, it's got to be mystical you know, we have to have this download of the Holy Spirit that he just drops the the right passage of scripture at the right moment and the right time. Uh, otherwise, it's not going to be a move of the spirit and nobody's going to hear from God. And, and so can I just free you up and just say, you know what, wherever you're reading in scripture for your daily devotionals, preach from that text. If you're not preaching every single week, and then assuming you don't have a lead pastor that tells you this is a passage to preach from, um, just use what you're already reading in your daily devotions. Now, I mean, you might be reading in Leviticus. so. But if you're reading in your daily devotions and there's passages of scripture that are speaking to you and you're not, you don't have any other guidelines or direction, then choose that. Uh, the other thing you can do is you can go to the lectionary. Uh, so go back to Marlene Webster's episode and listen to that. We talk about the lectionary. So if you're preaching a passage, if you're just preaching a handful of times a year, give yourself a break rather than, you know, praying for weeks on end. Oh, Lord, give me the right path. Just go to the lectionary. You have four passages of scripture to choose from. I don't care. Throw a dart and pick one. I know that sounds like it's anti-spiritual but here's the thing we believe at least last time i checked all scripture is god breathed right that it's living and active and so whatever passage of scripture you choose if you're prayerfully writing your sermon the spirit is more than capable to use his own words to speak to somebody right uh, so just try not to take the place of God. And I think we do that way too much, especially early on when we're preaching. So that was the first thing that I struggled with. But then the second thing was, how do I get started? Like, it seemed like once I actually got going, you know, kind of like um, well, anybody who writes, people write books for a living, people write songs. Sometimes it just takes a minute to get going. So I had this experience what, it was one of the last sermons. I think it might have actually been the second to the very last sermon. I, I preached in my first assignment before I left to plant a church. I had a sermon that I had given at another church, and I was just going to, I was just going to use that one again, you know, maybe change up some of the sermon illustrations. So I was sitting there during the Sunday morning service, 
and I was I was out in the lobby. That was one of my responsibilities, and so I was out there in the lobby, and a passage of scripture that I had been reading during the week uh, it was actually Isaiah forty thirty one, and the Lord just kept bringing that passage back up, and and so I went over to this table, and pulled out my notebook and my Bible, and I was reading that verse, and. I was flooded with feelings, impressions, emotions. Uh, there were certain words that jumped off the page, and I just started writing. And, and, and I, within 20 minutes, I wrote my entire sermon. Now, that doesn't happen very often. I mean, you, you need to do the work when you're writing a sermon. Not that I didn't do the work. But I think that there were, I had a plenty of um, background information already that I could just get to the writing part. But I noticed something that had happened because I had been introduced to the spiritual practice called Lectio Divina, which is just a spirit, just it's Latin. I think it means divine reading or spiritual reading. And so if you're not familiar with it, I am going to find a, I'm going to find a link for you and you can, and I'll put that in the show notes and then you can, you can read more about this practice. But I remember it was so freeing that that's how I started to write my own sermons. And it took a couple of years to kind of figure it out. But now what I do is when I start my sermon prep, this is my quick start. This is my quick start sermon prep that I use for every, pretty much every single sermon. So I have my scripture that I'm going to preach already. Uh, and we can talk about that another episode or something because I do my sermon prep. I've tried to prep out six to nine months at least get all the big rocks on the calendar. So I have my scripture at, at the beginning of the week. Uh, it could be Sunday, Monday. Sit down and as I read the scriptures, I'm really being conscious of the Spirit's presence and intentional uh, in my listening. So as I'm reading, uh, I'm paying attention to feelings, impressions, and emotions that rise up within me. So sometimes it's a physical sensation. Um, maybe there's a tightness in my chest. Maybe I feel like, man, the weight has been lifted off my shoulder. Maybe I feel burdened, confused, right? Uh, and so I pay attention to some of the physical responses I'm having as I'm reading, but then also my emotional responses. What, what are the emotions that rise up within me? Hope, joy sadness, fear, what are the emotions that are rising up? And I try to capture those on paper as I'm reading. And then the other thing I'm listening for uh, and paying attention to is, are there any words or phrases that seem to come to life? Uh, and so I'll write those down immediately, a word, a phrase. And then after I do that, and a lot of times I'll, I'll actually read through this a couple of times, maybe I'll read out loud. Because I think if you read the scriptures out loud, sometimes you hear things differently than you do when you're reading silently to yourself. And then I'll just spend about 10, 15 minutes just journaling about the feelings, uh, the emotions, the words, the phrases, anything that came up as I reflectively reading uh, and intuitively reading these scriptures, right? Sometimes I'll ask questions of the scripture. Why did, why did they use that word and not a different word? What is it about this word that strikes my attention? 
Uh, and so I'll begin asking myself questions, but also questions about the text. And then questions about my emotions. Why does this passage, why do I feel sad when I read it? Why do I feel joy? Why do I feel hope? Why do I feel a burden? Why do I feel like the burden has been lifted? What is happening within my spirit when I'm reading it? Now, here's why this is important. If you are experiencing these feelings, these emotions, if these words and phrases are coming to your heart and your mind, well, one, I believe that that's the spirit speaking to you, but two, probably a, a large number of people who are going to be listening to your sermon are going to have the same reaction. So a lot of the people who are sitting there, whoever you're delivering this message to, they're going to be experiencing the same thing. And you want to be able to speak into those things. And I, I, I have a suspicion that we put the cart before the horse, right? That we go to the scriptures and we look at what was the original context? Who was the author? Who were they writing to? Is there any archaeological evidence to support this passage? We do all of this uh, left brain, logical research, study, give me information. But what they need is something that's going to touch their soul and their spirit. And I think when we put it, when we do it the other way around, where we spend all that time focused on left brain stuff initially up front, that we dampen our ability to hear the spirit and to, and to engage the scriptures with our right brain and to capture the mystery of what is happening. Uh, like I said, I'll do this usually early in the week, Sunday, Monday, maybe Tuesday morning, and then I will let it sit for a day or so and not really work on it because I want that, I, I want to sit in it. I want to sit in that mystery. I want to sit in the more abstract part of the scriptures for a few days before I start engaging the left side of the brain and, and the logic and the information and the research and all of those elements. So that when I get to the end and I need to ask for a response, they have something to respond to. Sometimes all we're doing is asking them to respond to information. And that's information in and of itself is not going to change hearts and minds and souls. But the mystery of the divine, tapping into the emotions and the spirit, the soul of the person, that will leave a lasting impression. That will stay with them uh, a couple of days after, where they're thinking about what was said, but more importantly, they're thinking about what the Spirit said through the message. This is my challenge to you. Try this for a couple of weeks. See how it works. Um, maybe you don't get to preach all the time. So I would recommend you try this maybe just twice a week in your regular devotions. So just, just start trying this. Take twice a week you know, and maybe put it on your calendar. Say today, when I have my devotions, I'm this is what I'm going to do. Uh, and I'm going to spend some time working on this. Because for some people, uh, if you're a little bit less intuitive, you're going you're gonna to have to develop this muscle. Now, some of you, you're more intuitive anyway. And so this this will come pretty naturally and 
uh, I shouldn't say naturally, it'll come easier to you. And those who are maybe less intuitive, you're going to have to work at it. But remember, the spirit doesn't want to hide things from us. That, that's not how God works. God's not trying to trick us or hide from us to see if we can find him. But I think that there's a muscle sometimes that we're not flexing and using to its fullest capacity. Um, and then, of course, you know, living in a culture that is chronically anxious, there is plenty to distract us. All right. Hope you have a great rest of your week. And I'll see you next time on the podcast.